Lord, I love you and I thank you. And I thank you that you give us a wide margin of grace and you literally have mercy on us. And Lord, if you're going to count sins, nobody's going to stand. But there's grace that you may be feared and we are learning to love you with all our hearts. God, a lot of folks here need the teaching this morning. I do. And I ask that you give us ears to hear right now, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Holy Spirit. Um, kids, this is going to be a tough one. Um, uh, for for the, the young kids that are here this morning, would you try to draw a picture of one of the biggest things you can imagine, one of the littlest things you can imagine? And I want you to try to draw a picture of of a voice of someone talking and how God speaks to us through our ears. And sometimes we hear him in our heart. Okay. And I'm excited. By the way, can I do a shout out to the Morrissey kids? Four kids here. And they really take seriously what I just mentioned. I wish you could read their papers at the end of the service. You're going to be amazed at how these kids are chasing hard after God. It's just a beautiful thing. All right. You guys ready? Um, You're looking at Jupiter in comparison to Earth. Now, I I picked that because Jupiter is the biggest object in our solar system. And I know there's other planets and stuff way bigger than Jupiter. But just to get the idea here, uh, there's a huge difference in size. We need some mighty men of God to help with chairs. You got it it going on? Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Um, This is big. This is really big. Check this out. I wanted to show you, this is a, a very complex form of a mushroom. And when I, when I first saw this, I was blown away at the detail of that. It's magnificent. Check this out. That's how tiny that thing is. Uh, it, 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 yeah, the brilliance of creation. And I introduced that photo simply to, to, to communicate this idea. Um, the Holy Spirit, you know, um, it's a mix. When he speaks to us, sometimes, sometimes he will, his voice is so loud, it is a thundering in your soul and it'll rattle you to your core. And then there's times the Holy Spirit speaks and it's just a, it's just a little whisper, just a little bit. And those of you who follow Jesus, according to John 10, you've learned that my sheep, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And when you learn to hear God, that is an absolutely beautiful thing. But what's interesting is oftentimes it's just, hey, hey, go here. Don't go there. <laughs> this is a yes. This is a no. You know? I know sometimes we, we, we struggle. Uh, for those of us who have scientific minds, you want to measure God. You, you want to say, God, can you please step into the electron microscope? I need to prove it's you. You know, that scientific mind loves that. But God's a spirit and he speaks deeply inside of us. So here's what I'm going to do. Part A, I want to walk through some scriptures in the New Testament about the spirit. It's going to be a bit of a flyover. Okay, it's going to be deep, solid, but we're going to move fast. And then I want to go deep with you in John 16. So here we go in the Holy Spirit. This is what John the baptizer said. Again, we're going to baptize next Sunday. It's going to be great. John the baptizer said this, look, as for me and my ministry, what I'm doing, I'm going to baptize you with water for repentance. But he, Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. And he 
will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I know sometimes we, we think uh, discipleship is a soft sell, you know, and, and a little hallmarkish, you know. If y'all want to, if it's okay, if you don't mind, you might read your Bible this week if it doesn't put you out, you know. It's a little soft, a little, little soft. Listen, Jesus, John, John the baptizer describes the discipleship influence of Jesus as a baptism of fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus wants all of you. He wants all of me. And he will burn away stuff that doesn't need to be there. In Mark 3, uh, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons and daughters of men. And whoever blasphemies, and whatever blasphemies they, they commit, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. I've got to unpack that. If there's anybody, if if there's something we're going to misunderstand this morning, it's going to be that. So let me park you for just a minute. All right. What is the word blaspheme? That's a really strange word that is not in common English at all. What does blaspheme or blasphemy, what does that word mean? Come on, Christ Church, what does it mean? Denying God, that's good. Cursed. What's that? Cursed. Cursed. Yep. Anybody else? On blasphemy. Sabrina? Yeah. It is it is saying <clears throat> it is saying something that epitomizes disrespect. It is the most disrespectful, shameful, bottom, bottom of the septic tank kind of idea. Taking something that's clean and pure and treating it as though it's filthy and disgusting. Now, what's interesting, when you read in the other traditions of the same material, Jesus even said, you can blaspheme me. You can say all kinds of stuff against me. You can cuss Jesus out. And you know what? He will forgive it. You cuss him out, say the worst things you can come up with about Jesus, he'll forgive it. But you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and there's never forgiveness. Okay. That's, that's wild. That's big. That's big. It's an eternal sin. So here's the question that people come to me with. They go, well, Chris, I think I've committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And, or I'm afraid I have, or something like that. Or one of the big questions is, can a Christian do that? You Ready? A Christian cannot do that. A Christian can't do that. All right? That's what a non-believer does. Now, for the sake of time, we can't get into the big context, but Jesus is confronting the Pharisees, Sadducees, highly religious people, and he's confronting them, and they're, they're upset because he keeps casting out demons, and he's stealing the show. They wanted control of the crowd. Jesus is on the scene. All of a sudden, the dead are rising. Boy, that'll stop a funeral. And, and, and the lame are walking. Now, that'll get attention. The blind are seeing. And people who are demon-possessed and their life is broken are set free. And the demons are exercised out. Now, how's that for something to see? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't like it. And they're so intimidated by it, they go, oh, we got it. He's casting out demons. 
with the finger of Satan, the prince of the demons, you know. And, and they say a few more choice, choice things like that. And Jesus says, you can commit all kinds of sins and all be forgiven, but you sin against the Holy Spirit, committing blasphemy, you'll never be forgiven. So what is blasphemy? It's to take the work of Jesus and consider it as the work of Satan. Now you know. Now you know. What is blaspheme of the Holy Spirit or blasphemy? It means to treat the Holy Spirit and what he does as though it's the work of Satan. God says, no, nope, there's the line, done. That's it. God can put up with a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, but not that one. Because the Holy Spirit is of his very, very heart. And that is something, I want you to hear it. A Christian cannot do that. A Christian cannot do that. All right. A couple more. Let's just punch through this. John 14, 26. I love this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. Christ Church, I have taken you through over the last 15 years the esteem of Jesus. What Jesus, how he saw himself, I've done that three times with you over 15 years. And I've taught you what discipleship is. And discipleship is, if you're going to really follow Jesus, you believe what he believes. You do what he would do. And you say what he would say. To the best of your ability with a good heart motive. You do that and you follow Jesus. Right? You believe what he believes. Did Jesus believe in heaven? Does he believe in hell? Oh man, there's pulpits all over Little Rock saying there's no such thing as heaven and hell. Okay, Jesus believed that. So if I follow him, I've got to believe it too. Because I'm not smarter than he is and I'm not going to theologically wiggle my way around what he believes. Like I got him figured out, bless his heart. No, I believe what he believes. I do what he does. I say what he says. That's what it means to follow Jesus. If you are not believing in what he believes in, if you are not doing the kind of things that he would do, if you're not saying the kinds of things he would say, you are not following Jesus. You might name his name, but you're not following him. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches you all things and reminds you of what Jesus said so that you can say what Jesus would say. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If you're born again, if you experience the new birth, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. It's amazing. Your body's holy. He repeats that in 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of just hitting a couple things here because this is really big. There's something called spiritual gifts. Uh, they will be honored today in just a few minutes. Uh, it is the Holy Spirit that gives gifts, disperses them out so that nobody is neglected this morning. And those, the Spirit gives these gifts for a common good. Like, for example, 
Uh, you may not know it, uh, but somebody who walked in the door this morning is probably battling some pretty serious depression. You just don't know it or you don't see it. And, and it's a struggle and life is dark and life feels hopeless. And what you, if you're a follower, you know that the Holy Spirit might ask you to say something this morning that would bring life to somebody battling depression. Or there may be somebody battling anxiety this morning that's so crippling, it was quite frankly hard to get out of bed and, and certainly hard to come through that door. And yet you're here and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you this morning. And it's because he brings gifts and it's a beautiful thing. Ephesians 4, um, very simply, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Some people say, Chris, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? What do you do to grieve the Holy Spirit? I'm sure not going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You know, that ain't going to happen. But what does it mean to grieve him? Well, it means this. You're bitter. You're full of wrath, anger, clamor, slander. All that stuff while claiming to be a Christian. Unwholesome things coming out of your mouth. All that stuff grieves the Holy Spirit. It upsets him. He's not pleased. It, it causes him grief. And I've said this to you over the past few Sundays, and I'm doing it all on purpose. He's called in Scripture, Holy Spirit, not emotional spirit, okay? Not psycho-religious babble spirit. He's not theology spirit. He's not religion spirit. Holy Spirit, because he's coming right out of the heart of God. And if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, and we're going to be led by the Spirit above all things, we're going to be holy. Anyone who claims to be full of the Holy Spirit and living an unholy life, you already know the answer to that one. All right, let's dig in. Everybody turn to John 16. No powerfulness. This is so rich. This is, this is the teaching of Jesus. John chapter 16. And the, uh, the whole point of this is that Jesus Christ knows he's about to die. And he's, he's longing to break bread and, and drink wine at the Passover. He's longing to do that with his disciples. The last meal. And then after that, he's going to be arrested that evening. And it's horrific what happens. All the illegal trials, what's going on with the Pharisees, Sadducees. And then the examination by Pontius Pilate and then the crucifixion. He knows it's coming and he's trying to get these men and women. There's more than 12 at the, at the, the Last Supper, by the way. Way more than just 12 at the Last Supper. He's trying to get his disciples ready when he won't be there anymore. He's trying to get him ready. And so in John 16, 7, he says this. But I tell you the truth. Aletheia. Truth. He's not lying. He's not deceiving. And he's not just trying to cheer him up. I'm telling you truth. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper, the parakletos in Greek, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
That is one of the most encouraging, profound, and frustrating verses in the New Testament. Um, If you are like me, I daydream about heaven. I do. I'm not suicidal. Don't get me wrong. But man, there's times I went off the rock, man. I went off the rock. I want to go through the pearly gates. I want to go home. There's something in me that I am deeply homesick. Paul said that too in Philippians chapter 1. If it came down to a choice, I'm out of here. But he said to the Philippians, but for your sakes, I'm going to stay. And I'm going to work hard. I get that part. I want to be home. And when I do, I want to see Jesus. Man, I want to see him. With everything inside of me. I want him and I want to see him. All right. And then and Jesus is telling is trying to get him ready for his departure. And he goes, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving. If I were one of the 12, I would have gone, no, it's not to our advantage. It's our loss. If you leave, don't go. I want proximity. I want you right here, right now. Don't leave. Don't do that. And Jesus would say, Chris, I appreciate you there, little buddy. It's to your advantage. I'm telling you the truth. You might not understand it, but I'm telling you, you're better off without me here. How could we be better off without him? He knows what he's talking about. And the thing that's going to substitute his physical presence is the Holy Spirit, parakletos, the one called to walk right beside you and help. Helper is a really good translation. So what does this helper do? And he, when he comes, he's going to do three things that are pretty big right out of the gate. He's going to convict the world regarding sin. And he's going to bring conviction of righteousness. And he's going to bring conviction of judgment. That's fascinating. Well, fortunately, Jesus explains those three things. And he says, regarding sin... Because they do not believe in me. Regarding sin. Because they don't believe in me. Um, I won't run through the list. There's children here. There's all kinds of ways that we can be involved. In very disgusting and shameful sin. And if you're like the average church member. In the average church. We. You know churchy people. Churchy talk. We kind of like to pick on certain sins. And certainly the ones that are done with the human body. And we scandalize them and make them out to be the most horrific. Oh, my, I can't. You know, or whatever, whatever your favorite sin is, you like to get your bullseye on. All that kind of stuff. But you know what? The big bad sin that the Holy Spirit's going to really tackle is unbelief. He's going to convict the world regarding the sin of unbelief. Not believing in Jesus. There's no... That's bad. I want you to get that. If you don't believe, that's serious stuff. And if you doubt the gospel this morning, I pray that you've, your heart is open to the truth. Second thing is going to convict the world. It's going to bring the conviction of righteousness. Because I'm going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. He's saying, guys, you've got to get this. There'll be a crucifixion. There's going to be a resurrection. I'm going to raise from the dead in three days. I'm going home and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if you get how right that is. And you believe that you're right too. 
and I'm going to convict you of being right. How cool is that? Aren't we professionals at being, you know, convicted of being wrong? You ever go like, oh, what's the matter? I'm under conviction. I'm, I'm righteous. And I'm just so under conviction right now. How cool would it be to finally feel some pressure because you do and believe the right thing? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he is preparing a place. Lastly, and regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Janice, who's the ruler of the world? It is Satan. If you read First John, John says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he did. The Holy Spirit, his main core assignment is he's going to bring conviction of sin against those who won't believe. He's going to bring conviction of righteousness that Christians, those who get it on why he left, why he came, why he left, why he's preparing a place. And judgment because Satan has lost all his power. All of it. And then he says in verse 12, I have many more things to tell you, but you can't handle it right now. You can't, you can't put up with it. Um, can you imagine what your eyes have not yet seen? What your ear has not yet heard? What your eyes haven't seen? What's going to hit you in the heart when he opens up the gates of heaven and you get to see it? Now he, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, not the spirit of emotion. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, literally walking with you. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Oh, what? Did you catch that? Whatever he hears, he speaks. Sounds like an ideal disciple to me. I only say what the father says. I believe what the father believes. I say what he says. It. I do what he does. He will guide you. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. Can you imagine going to the Holy Spirit and, and Chris Perry it's like, Holy Spirit, I, I need you help work with me, please. And the Holy Spirit says, Chris, just a second, just a minute. And he goes over to Jesus and he takes something out of the heart of Jesus. And he goes, Chris, this is for you. This is, this is from Jesus. Take this in. Come on, soak this in. This is what I want you to focus on. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes from Jesus and he gives it to me. He takes from Jesus, he gives it to you. All right? All right, I want you to see this one. Verse this four. Finally, brothers and sisters, we request and urge you in the Lord that as you have received instruction from us as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually are doing. He's praising the people at this town. But I want you to excel even more for God has not called us for impurity, but sanctification. Therefore, the one who rejects this is not rejecting is not rejecting man, but the Holy Spirit, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Jude 2, uh, chapter 1, 20, 21. You can pray in the Holy Spirit. You can actually do that. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And I think when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we're so, we're, we're so one, we're so one 
we pray the very kinds of things he would he would ask anyway. All right. I want you to appreciate Ephesians 4 because we're about to use our gifts. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there's any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that so that you'll give grace to those who hear. This is what we do at Christ Church. So you're welcome to ask questions. I, I really, I love that. Always encouraged. I want you to speak from your gift. I want you to be obedient to speak as though the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. I want you to speak in a way that's going to build us up and do not offer the counsel of hypocrisy. Now, I had this slide up at the beginning, and I was, I was trying to call the church to prepare for worship. Number one, is there somebody you need to forgive? Number two, is there a sin struggle you're battling and you need to confess that sin and repent, repent of it? And I, I, I'm asking, we, we should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's will to us because it's assumed that we're here to do God's will, right? Or is this a social club? We're here to do the will of God. Yeah. John 10, 3. My sheep hear my voice. He repeats it several times. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And then I'm asking us right now to be, to be honest. A critical attitude will rob you of God-focused worship. Do you know that? A critical spirit will rob you of God-centered, Jesus-centered worship. You know why? You can't get past the typo. You can't get past the fact that maybe your hair is not perfect. Or there's somebody better looking than you in this crowd. Oh my goodness. We're comparing among ourselves. Who's the best looking person? You think I'm kidding. (laughs) We worry about a lot of stuff, don't we? We do. If we're not careful, we can bring a whole lot of carnality, a whole lot of world inside the church. And we, you know, some of you are already, you're already working your Excel spreadsheet for Monday morning. I know what's going on. <laughs> a critical spirit, an attitude out, out of focus will rob you of worship. And I want to challenge you to offer the best of who you are to God and not the least and not to throw God crumbs. All right. This is the text that we just drilled on in John 6. Uh, Men, I I, I want to challenge you to be men of God. If you're silent, it's number one, it's because you're full of sin and you're guilty and you don't dare open your mouth. (laughs) Number two, you're really shy. I got it. I get it. I'm shy. All right, I get it. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit will move on your heart. And the Holy Spirit can speak through you I promise you, nobody in this room is better than you are. Nobody. Okay? And we need truth. We desperately need truth. So Christ Church, the Holy Spirit, experiencing intimacy with God, I want you to speak truth to us right now. If there's somebody here that's brand new in their faith, they're a baby Christian, counsel us. Tell us, how do we live out a life in submission to the Holy Spirit?
I would say, uh, Maddie, thank you, sweetheart. Uh, nothing would happen at all. That's not a sin. Not at all. You know. Can I use some psychology on you right now? Do you mind? You ready? You're on the couch. I don't want anybody in this room to think about a pink elephant smoking a cigar. Don't. Stop it. Don't do it. Yeah. Just the mere idea of blasphemy is going to put it in your head. Yeah. No. Sweetheart, there's anybody with a pure heart in this room, it's you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Somebody else. How do we live this out? A life submitted to the Holy Spirit. Pop quiz, geography. Why is the Sea of Galilee a vital living body of water with fish in it and a thriving economy? Why? Water in, water out. Why is the Dead Sea dead? No outlet. Full of salt. So, Pat, you're on to it. If we're full of the Spirit and we are really following Jesus, we believe what He would believe, or what He does believe. We would act as He would act and say what He would say. We have to give it to others. We have. You can't keep that. That's like, why would you put a can- light a candle, put it under a bush basket? Yeah, that's so good. Paul did that absolutely. Someone else, how do we live this thing out? Yes, Michelle. Say that again, please. That's so important. The Spirit's never going to guide you with anything that is inconsistent with God's Word. Yep. So when you're learning to discern what the Spirit is like, either teaching you or you know, prompting you to say or do, make sure that's in line with Scripture. Yes. It's very easy, depending on traditions and backgrounds, to kind of confuse our feelings for what the Spirit is telling us to do. Um, and we have to compare that against Scripture. Yes, you've spoken very well, Michelle. John identifies, Jesus identifies the Spirit, calls him the Spirit of truth. And then as such, he would only speak the truth of God's Word. Absolutely. Somebody else on how we would live this out. When we hear the Holy Spirit, 
Yes. yes. It's in there somewhere, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, Paul was that way, right? Miserable, bitter, wanted to hunt down Christians, beat it out of them, right? Yes, yeah. Um, Sloan, um, all of us as individuals, me, you, everybody here, and folks we know, um, we're all guilty of trying to make ourselves happy with food, money, clothing, gratifying any and all instincts our body has. We've all tried to make ourselves happy with things of the world. And we end up being miserable. And we're scarred and we're beat up and we're full of regrets. And we have a long list of people that have hurt us and vice versa. But when you give your heart to Jesus and become a true follower, according to John 4, speaking of the Spirit, you have a wellspring of life flowing out of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all there. We're all there, yeah. 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 So someone else living out a life of the whole, led by and filled with the Holy Spirit. Chris, if you're trying to justify something that goes against the Holy Spirit, you're headed down the That's very wise, Steve. Um, I, I, for years I've heard, well, the Holy Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit told me, and no. Yeah, ain't him. Exactly. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I what I do, and it's never fun, Kathy. If you say, "Well, the Holy Spirit," I, or, or I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is telling me about Scripture, and it's completely an anti-Christian, anti-biblical kind of idea. Um, I, I simply say, "Well, can you show me biblically where you get that?" Or try try to turn them to Scripture, turn them to the truth. And let the scripture do the, do the hard work. But even at, at that point, Kathy, sometimes you just have to say, okay, I understand. I hope that goes well for you, you know, and you, and you let them go. Yeah, so slow. I found this. Okay. Psalms 32, 3. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through, all my, through my drumming all day long. For day and night. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. That is so good, Sloan. Yeah. Uh, Sloan, you could also find that in Hebrews 12, by the way, how God chastens us. So, all right, Christ Church, you have done so very, very well. Everyone turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want you to see this. I want to make sure you get this. I don't want any confusion. A Christian cannot commit blasphemy to the Holy Spirit. All right. You're safe. Okay. Now, can a, can a non-believer say really ugly things about the Holy Spirit? They sure can. They can say all kinds of ugly things. When you talk about committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you're talking about you are speaking with full resolution 
and a full sense of intent that you're going to do everything you can to say the work of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the work of Satan. We're not talking about having a bad attitude one day or losing your temper and cussing out God or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. Second Peter 3.9 God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to know him. Every one of us. Okay? I want you to see how to be born again. Verse 8. This is 10.8 of Romans. What does, the, what does it say? What does the scripture say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. The word is the word of confession about the gospel. It's the word of faith which you're preaching. That if you confess with your mouth... Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved for the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses, she confesses resulting in salvation. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, not be put to shame in the great white throne judgment of God. If you have never done that and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you I would say right now in, in your heart, confess in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that you believe God raised him from the dead. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In the same sense that you're putting faith in that chair to hold the full weight of your body, you're going to put the full weight of your soul onto Jesus and that will be done by faith. I want to pray over you right now. Father, thank you for each person that's here. Everyone, Abba, Father, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, they will put their faith in you. They'll trust you. They'll not be ashamed. They'll be born again. Without faith, they cannot be born again. We are saved by grace through faith. Would you please do the deep work of the Holy Spirit in them right now? Please. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to talk to me at the end of the service if that's when you, you, you realize you need to give your heart to Christ. I want you to talk to me at the end of the service. For the rest of us, we're going to worship. We're going to sing songs set to music with words to draw us into Jesus. If you've got a critical spirit, it's going to fall flat. But if you're here to offer God your best and not your least, it will be beautiful and it will be life-giving. And I want to encourage you about something. If you want to raise your hands like I do, uh, come on. Let's go. Let's go. But guess what? If you want to raise your hands but you're afraid someone's going to look at you and notice, wait, I thought you were God-focused. Does it matter if someone notices? No. It's not about them. It's about him. And the Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. So if you're going to try to glorify yourself by uh, doing something that refusing to worship, you've made it about you. Your, your chair makes a perfect altar if you need to kneel down on it. Perfect altar. It's great. Pray. Come here and pray. If you want to raise your hands, you do it. You can sing from the depths of your soul, not move your lips, and you can look down, and you can worship with all your heart, just like this. Okay. I'm saying, give God your best right now. Give God your best, not your least. Lord, we are ready to worship you now.
In Jesus' name, amen.